You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, welcome back to the podcast. I love this episode. I'm excited to tell you what's here. So today we're going to pick up from yesterday's episode. We're going to read a little bit more about what happens in the Bible when the Ark of God went into the Philistine camp. And I love this. One of the most powerful stories in Scripture. And here's why. Because when the Ark of God was captured... There was no Israelite following it to defend it. There was no great warrior. King David wasn't there. There was no great prophet, Moses, Elijah. They weren't there. The ark of God was all by itself for seven months in the Philistine kingdom. And what's cool about that is for seven months, God himself defended his own honor. And we learned some pretty powerful things from it. The first thing we learned is that we absolutely should humble ourselves in front of the Lord. He doesn't need us. We are blessed that we get to serve him for his glory, but he can defend his own glory all by himself. And this story is one of my favorite descriptions of just that. So the Ark of God was captured by the Philistines. And in today's reading, they're going to take the Ark into the temple of Dagon, one of their pagan gods. So here we go. After the Philistines had captured the Ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod, and then they carried the Ark into Dagon's temple, and they set it beside Dagon. When the people of Ashdod rose early the next morning, there was Dagon, fallen on his face to the ground before the Ark of the Lord. And then they took Dagon and put him back in his place. So I'll pause for that. So here we are in chapter 5 of 1 Samuel, and the Ark of God is in a pagan temple. So Dagon was one of their pagan gods, and they brought the Ark of God into his temple space. And the message that this was declaring is that Yahweh, God of Israel, had been defeated by Dagon, God of the Philistines. They believed in these pantheons of gods representing their people. And when God's people, Israel, lost in war, they believed that Dagon gave them the victory. And so the Ark of God, sitting there at the feet of this statue of Dagon, this idol, it was almost as if it was an effort to humiliate God, to present the Ark as a representation of God's glory, to present it as a treasure in Dagon's trophy case. One more victory he had won. And it crushes me to think of God's reputation being imagined that way. That these pagan Philistines would be thinking of the God of Israel, the God of heaven and earth, the God of Mount Sinai, the God of the Exodus in this way. So in a very real way, God is humiliated as the Ark of the Covenant sits at the feet of the idol of Dagon, a trophy in their trophy case. But in the middle of the night, the statue blows over, falls over, is pushed over? Yes, God pushed him over. And so I think this is a beautiful picture that as the Philistine priests come back in the next morning, they've got to prop their idol up. Why? Because Dagon is no god. He's just a statue. Maybe there's a demon behind that image that gives power on occasion to his people, but Dagon's just an idol. And so they literally have to prop him up. He can't stand on his own. This is something that if I was an Israelite, I would be eager to point out. So they prop their God back up. Surely this will never happen again, but it does. Watch what happens the next day. Verse 4, But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon falling on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His hands and his head had been broken off, and they were lying on the threshold, and only his body remained. 
And that is why to this day neither the priests of Dagon nor any others who enter Dagon's temple at Ashdod step on the threshold. Wow, that's powerful. So the second night, the statue falls over and his head and his hands break off and lie on the threshold of his temple. It's as if God has wanted to show the Philistines that Dagon had no power, broke off the hands, the signs of his strength, broke off his head, the sign of his sovereignty, his wisdom, his thought, the possession of his own soul and imagination. So God has just defeated Dagon in his own temple. Nobody's there to defend him, only the Lord. The Bible says that God's hand became heavy on the Philistines, and they moved the ark out of this city into another and into another and into another. They kept pushing it farther and farther away, and God would bring pestilence, rats, tumors, illness. And as God brought his own strength to bear with a force that no man could stop, the Philistines finally gave up, put the ark on a cart, and sent it back to Israel. And what I love about the story is a couple things. Number one, I love that God redeemed his reputation with his own two hands, his own strength. There was no Israelite there to protect him, to stand up for him, to defend him. He did it himself. And in fact, that's all he needs, his glory, his own strength. Like you and I, our lifespans are so short. It's amazing how often we think we're helping God rather than just recognizing that we are riding the wave of his strength for his own glory. And this is a story that just puts that kind of on full display. Now, here's another thing that I think is powerful. This is God's character. It's God's character to redeem and defend and act for his people and act for his glory. It is God's character to do what no human can properly do. And I thought about this, and I know that I'm making a little bit of a stretch, but it was powerful for me to think of a New Testament example that reminds me so much of this one. You know, when Christ was crucified, if you will, God himself came to earth and was humiliated. As he hung on the cross outside Jerusalem, he was mocked. It was as if the Roman Empire had won, as if the Jewish high priest had won, as if, in a way, the devil himself had won. It was as if God had been defeated, and he himself was humiliated, a trophy in their trophy case. But on the third day, Christ rose from the dead, defeating evil, conquering it, And on the third day that the ark of God was in Dagon's temple, Dagon's power was severed and broken. And I just couldn't help put the two together. And then that left me thinking this thought. Imagine those Philistines walking into Dagon's temple. What would they do? Well, I would imagine that just to save face and show their loyalty, they would attach Dagon's head back onto his statue They would attach his hands back on. Well, they didn't have duct tape, but in Sugarlock, we would have done it with duct tape. We would super glue and duct tape Dagon's head right back on. We would prop him up and continue to worship him. But you know, it's sad to me that the Philistines were face to face with the one real God, the spiritual power that could move heaven and earth and change their lives forever, the ark of God at Dagon's feet. But they would choose to worship their pagan hopes, their cultural idols, They would choose to stay faithful to Dagon, a God whose head has to be duct taped back on before they would follow the God of heaven and earth. And I realize that in a very sad way, this sort of, to me, is a reflection of the world today. So many people dismiss God or are angry at God, that they will prop up a broken worldview that has no supernatural power, no God at the beginning and end. 
they will prop it up and tape its head back on every time it shows a crack before they would bend their knee to the living God. And I so badly want to see believers like you, like me, who know the living God, to walk in the truth of God, to show God's love and glory and power so well that one day maybe our, the people who live in our neighborhoods and cities that still put their hope in a counterfeit, broken God that has to be taped together and propped up. They put their hopes in the gods of money, sex, or power. They put their hopes in their worldview or the American dream or, or science without God giving it law and order. They put their hope in these worldviews and ideas that just won't hold up forever. And it makes me sad. But what I would love to see, I would love to see you and I represent the living God as He's intended to be. I would love to see you and I give them a better alternative. So church family, I am loving the book of 1 Samuel. You're welcome to join us on a Thursday at 10 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall or just read 1 Samuel for yourself. But the glory of God is on full display. Thanks, church family. I love you. God bless you. I pray that the Lord would do great things through you as you remain faithful to His mission for you. Say yes when He gives you a nudge.